On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into an all-new episode of the Talkin' Audio podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Talkin' Audio. Make sure you are following, subscribe, uh, wherever you're hearing this. All the all the usual preamble that you hear on these podcasts. Happy to be joined today by our buddy Steve Bunda. How you doing, man? Oh, Maddie, it's I'm awesome. I'm good. I'm feeling great. I'm excited for a big card, man. I you know it's just one of those weeks where. I'm uh I'm ready to see some heavyweights throw some balls. Oh yeah, this is going to be fantastic. Um, we will mention doing? here off the top that uh, typically you and I, when we do these, are joined by our buddy Creech, but got bailed at the last minute. So uh, I don't know something about having a family or kids or these these priorities that get in the way of podcasting. So we are without Creech, but we will soldier on. What a scrub, eh? <laughs> And, you know, I gave it to him. He did get it was last minute, but uh, he did try and he did do his best. And uh, we don't really care about that. We'll just make fun of him. Of course. He's not here to defend Uh, himself. We'll bury him. Yeah. (laughs) Families, whatever. (laughs) Um, You know where we start. What are we sipping on tonight? Yeah. Well, and because uh, we're doing this, I'm going to open up it right now. So you can get that nice sound effect. But uh, I went with the just old faithful. Mm. Stray dog, shagging wagon. Nice. I, That's good I went down. Yeah, I went down there a couple weeks ago and uh, picked up. They, they, you know, and I, I, I know uh, one of the guys that runs it pretty well, Mark, the owner. And I just told him, you got to stop making so many good beers because I'm over here spending so much damn money. And he's like, well, that's the point. And yeah, <laughs> it's true. So shout out to Mark and the Stray Dog uh, Committee over there. But you know, the, one of my favorite IPAs that got me hooked in uh, on IPAs was the Shaggin Wagon. So. You know what? Uh, I'm going to go with that tonight. It's a great beer. It's a great name for a beer. And it's a great brewery. So uh, we endorse that, certainly. Um, Ooh, this one, yeah. this is something I got uh, for Christmas. I've mentioned this brewery a few times lately because, um, I don't know, I just, I, I've gotten big into their stuff over the last year or so. This is from the Five Paddles Brewing Company down in Whitby. Okay. And one of the great things about uh, family and, and friends who really know you, right, over the holidays I don't ask for much. Like people go, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I'd like to try a new beer. And so people mm-hmm. just either at the LCBO or driving by a brewery, they'll go in, grab a couple of something. 
my parents, no exception for Christmas, that's what they hooked me up with here with a bunch of uh, different stuff I hadn't tried from Five Paddle. And one that I had tried and loved, and uh, this is either something people love or people hate. There's very little middle ground. This is the Coconut Cream Pie Stout uh, from the Five Paddle Brewing Company. It's very sweet. Um, and it was actually in the 2020 edition of the Nita Craft Beer Advent Calendar is where I first discovered it and bought a bunch more of it there in the new year. And, uh, and yeah, I found a little bit of it under the Christmas tree this year. So that's what I'll be rolling with is the, the coconut cream pie stout. Uh, it's very sweet, like I said. It's just about a 5.5% here, so nothing too overpowering. But, man, I love this beer for some It's just something a little different, right? Yeah, you, it, it's nice to always find something different. And you brought up the uh, the advent calendar. That's something you've done, I think, a couple of years now. In a row, That's right, you? yep. Yeah, how was that this year? And it, was there another new one you discovered? Is there one you didn't like? You know, I don't want you to, you know, trash talk anything. <laughs> but, you know, there's always, I think that's the best part about craft beers, is trying so many different things and finding things you just, you didn't know you would like. And then, like you said, you bring up the one you're drinking tonight. And it's like, hmm. This is interesting. Well, and they, that led me, like that finding that one led me to their brewery. And in February of, of this past year, I tried, like I bought a bunch of stuff we ordered from there. So yeah, it's a great way for a brewery to get their name out there a little bit. And um, mm-hmm. so yeah, this it's, it's funny because I'm complimenting this Five Paddles Brewing Company. They're the one that stand out to me in this past year's calendar that I didn't love. They put in some kind of fruit smoothie thing that just wasn't for me. But one of the things I love about the brewery is that they try stuff, right? They experiment. And okay, this one didn't land, but I didn't give up on the brewery. It's just one beer that you don't really care for, right? So um, the one that did uh, stand out for me that I really liked came from Nita, who put the whole thing together. It's called Tears of a Sasquatch. And uh, it's, a, oh. it's a cross between their Mr. Brown Has Gone Coconuts and their Perfectum Stout. And they kind of mixed them together and threw it out there to see how it would work. And it was awesome. And that was the final beer in the calendar on Christmas Eve. I, I really enjoyed that one. So that's probably the one I walk away with with the strongest memory of. So, oh, It's got the name Sasquatch. Yeah. I'm down. Like, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get in on the calendar there, this Maddie. year, man. You got to get in on it this year and uh, and pick one up. Yeah, I don't know if you heard me a minute ago, but I, I have a, lo- a problem with spending money right. on beer. And when I, like I said, I go somewhere, like there, there's been a couple times where, you know, you go somewhere and you want your, your classics, whether it's, a, you know, Weatherhead's another one. It's out in Perth. Yeah. It doesn't get as much love uh, out there, but they're awesome. And it's just like every time they put out an IPA, it's just phenomenal. And it's like, okay. And so you go out there and you come back and it's like, all right, 100 bucks later. Yes. You go to Stray Dog hundred bucks yeah, later. Yeah, it's and, true, man. You know, I also want to shout out to, I don't know if uh, I brought this up last time I was on or um, exactly when the heck I was last on, but there's a brewery I ran into in Prince Edward County, Gillingham Brewery, and hmm. they put out some stuff too that just was phenomenal. So good. So um, yeah, I know it's not really super local, but I was down there, I, you know, tried a couple of craft beer spots, but Gillingham, they were, they were awesome. So, and like I said, you know, I think I came home with like almost close to $200 with a beer. And so, yeah, you know, if you're like me, you're a sucker. So yeah. I'm, I'm in for it, but very uh, you know much what? like that. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, try and do that, uh, next year, okay. this year, later this year, I'll do the Nita advent calendar. Love that. Um, so since the last time you were on, we, you mentioned here, we got, we got some fights to talk about. We'll get into UFC 270 here in a few minutes and, and a little fight talk. But since the last time you were on, man, you have moved professions. Uh, you were working over at TSN 1200, but, uh, you've moved on to bigger and better things. Uh, tell the good people what you're up to now, man. Yeah. I've, uh, I've became, uh, one of the writers and, 
at uh, Faces Magazine. I, I write about sports. I write about uh, everything else. I handle magazine interviews. So it's been. Uh, it, I just went over there in mid-November, and it's it's been pretty fun. It's a challenge from radio for sure, and you know I love it. You know I've met a couple of awesome people. The people I work with have been great. They've treated me well, and. I've got uh, absolutely nothing but good things so far, other than I hope my writing is good if people <laughs> read it. So, uh, you know, it's been an adjustment, but it's it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, uh, my last issue, I guess the first issue I did was their their issue that's out right now with Josh Norris. There's Mark Frazier. Then the first name that came up on my desk was Ian Mendez, one of my former coworkers. Uh-huh. And, you know, Jason York. So uh, Patricia Bull. There was a lot of great people, and it was a great issue. And just you know, being able to interview and write and do all that stuff, and you know, Faces is a very much um, a new new uh, I guess avenue for me. And you know, they've been awesome. So it's it's been a lot of fun, man. Patricia Bull has been uh, a long time wish list member over here. I want to get on this podcast, so you can put in a good word for us. But uh, what's it been like transitioning? You know, on radio and on a podcast, certainly you can kind of get away with with rambling a little to make your point if you have to. And I'm as guilty of that as anybody. But when you're writing, you got to get down. You got to be a little more succinct. You got to get to the point. What's the transition been like, man? Yeah. And I, there, no word of a lie, the biggest and hardest thing is transcribing. So doing an interview, putting in, and there's awesome apps out there like Otter and transcription apps that help you so much, but it doesn't like, it doesn't do everything, but you know, having to do an interview in radio, it's like you record the interview, you you know where you have to edit it. Yeah. So you go back and edit it, you throw it in the computer, it's done and boom, you do the interview and I don't know, you can edit in 10, you know, less than 10 minutes. It's pretty easy. Yep. Well, writing, it takes you <laughs> hours and you know, I'm new to it, but it's, it's been like a lot of fun and there's not a lot of, uh, you know, any, there's nothing negative to say about it other than it's a new challenge. I mm-hmm. did 10 years of radio and producing and sidelines and, and, you know, just board ops of just, you know, sitting there and pushing buttons for <laughs> football games to hosting shows, uh, you know, with Creature doing nine hour shifts with the, you know, when Eric Carlson and Mark Stone were traded all oh, night yeah. till three in the morning. Like there's been a lot of experiences I had at Bell and then coming over to do some writing over at Faces Magazine. Like I said, the interviews, uh, just writing new content, doing stuff like writing, not about sports. Like it's, there's been a lot of uh, challenges and it's been fun to just kind of go through it. Stressful at times, but I mean, that that's part of the challenge and mm-hmm. I love it. Well, and you know, Faces has this kind of reputation around town of being like a fun read too, right? Like it's, it's kind of a, an easy, um, you know, you pick up, you get a little bit of everything. It's always enjoyable. And I, I like that they're so engaged, like on social media, there's always like different things that sometimes it's votes or just, you know, trying to have fun with the readership. I don't, it's, it's kind of a cool outlet, man. So I was happy to see you land there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I guess credit to my boss, Justin, on letting me uh, do the podcast. So. Yeah, big thank you to Justin. We love Justin. <laughs> Still allowing Bunda to show up here on Tall Can Audio. We owe, uh, we owe Justin a pint, so uh, we'll get that paid off at some point. But why don't we talk a little bit about the fight game, man? And I, one thing I wanted to hit you with here just before we get into 270 specifically is uh, a week or two ago we saw the UFC increase the price of pay-per-view fights again. So this is the third time since ESPN has kind of taken over the distribution uh, part of that, and for those who don't know, the UFC signed an exclusive deal with ESPN to produce and distribute the fights. And so, in the United States, you have to be a member of ESPN Plus, and then you buy the pay per view. But you're still getting an ESPN feed here in Canada or in Australia or wherever that then gets you know sold by Rogers or whoever you're watching it on. 
but ESPN sets the price, and so this will affect everybody across the world. It was fifty nine bucks American when uh, ESPN took over. They're now up to seventy four bucks uh, American. For whatever reason, the exchange rate has kind of stayed in lockstep here. We're getting it for roughly the same numbers, but is this how many times can you do this, man? Like to me, this is a card where it's got two very good title fights in the main event, and then it gets a really thin, really quick. Is it? They can't keep. They can't keep doing this, can they? Like I know a good boxing fight sometimes one hundred and twenty nine bucks, but the UFC's never been that. And and even Dana White said he's not thrilled that ESPN is doing this, but it's their decision. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, Dana White can say whatever he wants, but he's still clearing a hundred yeah. mil a year. Yeah. So <laughs> he can afford the seventy five bucks a night if he had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever his salary is, he's okay, and you know, he's never going to have to deal with that. And I know he's upset about it, but I know the their, their I guess plan for this is to you know they want they're so and Dana White especially has been very much against pirate streamers yeah. and people that aren't paying and this is one way he thinks that'll it'll crack down even more right a lot of people that are streaming they're not going to want to do this it's going to cut people out you're you're they are getting to a point now where especially for fighters and the money that they draw in and I know I don't want to bring it up because I know I don't want to have uh, you have uh, get a little bit upset here with me but you know the whole Jake Paul, Logan Paul versus Dana White, and their feud right now. And yes. he wants, to, you know, he's trying to help out the UFC fighters. He wants the Paul brothers want to get these guys paid more. And I think it, it, you're going to have to come down to giving these fighters more money if you're going to keep raising pay per view prices and then not helping them out at all because some of them are fighting for next to nothing. And if they don't get a fight bonus, <laughs> they are fighting for nothing. Yeah. It's it's and you know what? Like they do so much. And you know, I think one of, you know one guy we both love and I've been so big on is my. My man sugar sean o'malley right. he talks about how you know what i don't fight for much and until i you know get paid a lot more i'm not going to fight for the title because you know i understand the ufc gives me an avenue they let me do my tri- uh, twitch streams i have my clothing lines i do whatever i can but at the same time i'm still not getting paid for these big time fights so you know what i'll fight and work my way in there but until that switches so for fans i do feel bad because it is tough like it is tough you know shelling out that money um, I think they're going to have to have more of a plan of action. And I don't know if I really believe Dana, but at the same time, I don't really care what he says because he's not paying for it. The fans are, and it's hard to grow your sport. Like you could put it on ABC like they've done in the past. You could put it on the afternoon cards, whatever, but you're still not going to be able to build your following. And you know what? Maybe UFC is content with that. Maybe they're okay with the numbers and they don't care that they're not going to, you know, like attend to a younger audience like maybe wwe does and change everything because you know you look at the wwe and their numbers and they are catering to younger audiences to try and build wrestling Mm -hmm. their numbers have been down the last couple years and and their stuff has gone down ufc their numbers have been pretty you know i want to say median they've been okay like but at the same time you're not going to build and like i think that was their plan by throwing a couple abc cards out there last year and the year before and maybe this year as well but I don't know, man. It's it's tough, and I feel bad for UFC fans that do want to see this, and they're like, well, I can't shell it out, and they're either trying to stream it and they get in trouble, or, you know <laughs> what, they just can't watch it, and they have to read about it on Twitter from guys like you and me. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny that you mention, you know, how much the fighters are making, because, you know, we've seen work stoppages and things before. Like, in the NHL, the whole thing was there was a lockout to get it down to 50-50, right? And... The the UFC only pays its fighters about 20% of their revenue. I saw one study say it was as low as 14%. And when the UFC is making as much money as they are, 
I think right now they need to be paying the fighters more, but you could almost sell me on, hey, we're bumping this up another five bucks a pay-per-view if it came with a guarantee that we're also bumping the every fighter's pay by 10% or whatever it might be. You'd kind of go, all right, at least I see where the money's going. But this didn't come with anything like that. It's just a further cash grab. Like I said, I know it goes towards ESPN and not towards the UFC, but they're working quite well together on this thing. And, you know, in the main event that we're going to watch this Saturday, it's your heavyweight champion. And guy's barely going to clear $600,000. And I know that sounds like a lot, but when you only fight two or three times a year and you got to pay your management, you got to pay your trainers and your coaches and all of these things, it's really not what you think it is, especially for one of the biggest names in your sport who is your heavyweight champion. And, you know, we've seen Nganu say that, he, you know, he might go and fight fury and he'd probably clear a couple million dollars for that fight and that's one night's work and and your heavyweight champion in your own sport can't get to a million bucks i don't know man it's it's a bad look and to keep raising prices and have none of it going towards the fighters that that irks me a little bit yeah and, and it's funny you bring that up about the tyson fury fight i, I believe if Ingana wins this fight that is his next like that is his next one and i don't like it um <laughs> but at the end of the day now Conor McGregor opened up that that yep. avenue because of the money he makes, and he's he was one of the first UFC fighters to start making somewhere around you know a couple mil, and then it, I think he, when he fought Mayweather, he was at, topped out at three million dollars, and it was funny because he was getting made fun of for that because <laughs> well one it's it, you know when you look at what May, uh, Floyd Mayweather does yeah. and some boxing guys make it's crazy money, but at the same time. You know, a lot of these other, you know, MMA fighters, and look at Tyron Woodley. He, like, the money he was making just to get knocked out. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's just, um, it's kind of mind boggling, but I don't know if, you know, if Francis Ngannou would still have gone, this is going to be a very interesting kind of couple weeks and months for him because he's already taking a pretty long time after he, yep. you know, beat Stipe Miocic to fight Cyril Gaunt. They had to have an interim title fight, and I hate those. There's nothing I hate more than, you know, you, you give a fighter an interim belt, and it's like, dude, I want the real one. Like, I don't want that, and it just it doesn't make any sense. I think Justin Gaethje, you know, I love Justin Gaethje. He's yeah. an amazing fighter, but when uh, he won the uh, interim belt and uh, he beat uh, Tony Ferguson before mm-hmm. he fought Habib Nurmagomedov, and they and Dana White gave him the belt. He just looked at it. He took it off and threw it on the ground fast. Yep. And Joe Rogan's like, what are you doing that for? He's like, I want the real thing. I don't want this one. I want the real one. Yeah. like <laughs> So, you know, when it gets down to it, I don't like interim fights, but you look at the heavyweight division right now, and, yeah, there's some guys that are slowly moving their ways up, but who else is he going to fight if he beats Cyril Gunn? And we can get more into this later, but, right. he like, does it not make sense for him to go? You know, boxing was what he loves the most. Yep. He loves boxing. That's something he's well, when you have mailboxes for fists, you probably would love it, right? <laughs> like, he's <laughs> yeah. guy's a monster. And uh, his story of coming to North America to become a fighter and, you know, traveling, you know, going across borders, sneaking, getting caught, you know, being like almost dying from barbed wire. Like he's got an amazing story of where he came from Cameroon all the way to North America, but he wanted to be a a boxer and that's where he learned. He went to France and he started learning to box. I absolutely think he would love to go fight against Tyson Fury in a boxing match and see how that goes and whether I think he offered him to do boxing gloves in a in a UFC or UFC gloves or something like I can't remember exactly what some it was, sort of compromise yeah yeah there's a compromise there but if he beats Cyril Gone there's not much for him in this division so why why not and Dana White. If, 
if he can have another UFC fighter that's a megastar, you know, fight a boxer who's a megastar, yeah. that it's money for him, it's money for Francis Ngannou, and it's everyone gets what they want, right? Well, as long yeah. as the UFC, if they're going to let, because he's got a champion's clause, right? If he's a champion, he remains under contract if he wins his fight. Mm-hmm. So the UFC is going to take a cut. That's how that's going to go. And at that point, yeah, Dana maybe does get on side with it, although his relationship with Ngannou and his camp is, is stretched a little thin, but money talks, and... Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. if, if Dana takes a, a, a cut there, then um, yeah, maybe that maybe we can make it happen. Why don't we jump into this card that we got in front of us? And I'll be honest with you, man, it's been tough to keep track of this. There's been some guys moving in and out. There've been uh, you know guys being added at the last second. I'm not even positive that what I'm looking at is the official <laughs> main card that, and it won't change again. I, I have no idea. But there's there's some interesting fights here. Uh, why don't we start? You know, with what I think is is really interesting, just in the sense that when you see the name Nurmagomedov, you assume, ooh, <laughs> hey, royalty here in the sport. But this is Syed Nurmagomedov. Jesus, it's always a... From henceforth, we've just known as Syed on this podcast. Uh, unrelated to Khabib, but... He's a guy who almost has a completely different fighting style. Like, he, he's more of a striker. You see that name, you expect a wrestler. Um, he's got an interesting fight ahead of him here with, uh, with Stamen. What do you make of this matchup, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. You know, I was doing my kind of pre-fight, uh, you know, prep, and I saw a number made of, okay, because there's a couple, and I know he does have uh, siblings yep. in, in the UFC, so I want to make sure if this is his brother or not. But uh, he is not related to him, um, and he is, a, you know, like you said, he's a Russian, Nurmagomedov, last name Bantamweight. Um, but he's also, like you said, he's got some a couple knockouts, two knockouts in his last three fights. He has lost the decision, but it's a guy that I'm curious to see, you know, how good he is and if he has that kind of same style of fighting. It's different, but that was the thing. Nurmagomedov, you know, Habib Nurmagomedov, sorry, because we're talking about Saeed <laughs> Nurmagomedov. Uh, when we get down to it, it's, you know, he had his own style where he was just like, he would get a hold of you, and he would never let go. And there was nothing you could do about it. Right. his submission, his jujitsu. Um, he could strike like it was something where he was just always lethal. So when I see a fourteen and two Nurmagomedov coming in, and you know a couple knockouts, I'm like, okay, let's see what he could do here. And he's going up, like you said, against uh, Cody Salmon. Okay, he's got two losses in his last you know three fights, yep. and he's only got one win in his last four because he has a draw in there as well. Um, so there's a lot that's happening here. So curious to see what kind of fight. This is, but there was a lot of hype around Cody Stamen, and that's curious to see if he can keep up here. I but still like, like him. We're gonna have a good, good like kind of striking matchup. Yeah, I like Stamen here still, and like you said, he's lost two in a row, but you know he, he's got some pedigree to him, and I think as long as he can kind of stay at range away from Nurmagomedov and just sort of like. I don't think he's going to be intimidated. I think he's going to keep closing on him. I think he's going to keep coming at him. And and like you say, it, it, it is a striking fight, but I think Stamen would have the advantage in basically any anywhere but standing and stand and bang, right? Like, I, I think if he can mm-hmm. take him down, he'll have the advantage. I think this is one where um, Stamen can kind of get back on track a little bit. And I don't know where the line is on this one, but I have to assume that Stamen is the favorite. Um, and to me, I... I I think that's justified. This will be an interesting fight, but to me, I I think this is Stamens to lose, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's going to be close. Uh, There's a lot of, like, like, you know, you look at Nermagomedov, he's got 
two inches on him. He's got six inches of reach. Like that's a lot. Yes. Like you said, there's going to be some experience. These guys are both young, kind of brawlers. But we'll wait and see when we get in there. Uh, We'll see. You know, Stamen has a couple takedowns more uh, on average per his fights. But for Sadnar Magomedov, like I said, this is going to be one where is he going to just you know wrestle him and use his weight and size to his advantage? Because you know if he's in there at five eight one thirty five, he's probably going in around you know five eight one forty one forty five one fifty ish. And you know for Stamen, he's always been a big man, so he's a bit smaller. He's going to have to get in tight, but. I am curious to see if he tries to maybe have a takedown or two up his, you know, up his sleeve that he can just try and pull out on Nurmagomedov and see if he can catch him off guard. Uh, so I'm taking Stamen here. Who do you like here? Yeah, I'm gonna go with say Nurmagomedov. Uh, just I, I feel like there is a. Uh, one, I'm never going to bet against a Nurmagomedov until I watch one lose, so I, there's that factor, but yeah. I also just, uh, I do like that the stats there, that his size, his reach, he's got a lot going for himself, and I think he has that confidence factor that when you look at it, it's going to be tough. It's going to, like, this is one where you can look at the main card, and yeah, the main card is right, it, this is on the main card, but you look at the two main fights, there's a couple fights throughout the whole card. This one has the one for, like, the total opportunity for fireworks and fight of the night, or knockout of the night like two guys that yep. are, are pretty much one de- desperate to make a name for himself and one you, you know Stamen might be fighting for his UFC career here after this fight like if he loses this one it's going to be tough for him like I said he's only got one win you know since 2019 uh, if we move to the next one I got here and I, I assume uh, this is staying on the main card we'll see as it continues to shuffle Andre Fialu versus Michael Pereira and I've actually heard that name pronounced a few Pereira. I've heard Pariah. I, we're going with Pereira here. I am. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I apologize. The names are what they are. That it's it's not an easy sport in that regard. Andre Fialu is somebody that I don't think a lot of people know a lot about, and I believe this is actually his UFC debut. Mm-hmm. But if you've seen him and just his highlight reels, he's fought in all kinds of. Uh, leagues around the world if you kind of look at his his history uh, there's leagues out there I've never even heard of but he is a problem like he mm-hmm. is a savage the way he can get in there and and really um just like highlight real stuff and if he gets on top of you he'll tear you limb from limb now I don't think he's as refined as Pereira right I think that's going to be the di- and the line the last I saw it had Pereira as a 3 to 1 favorite and I think Pereira is the favorite, but I'm not sure three to one is fair here. I'm not sure they're giving Andre quite enough love. Um, it's hard to predict when these guys come in, uh, but he could make a name for himself right off the right off the bat here. Yeah, no, for sure. It's going to be an exciting fight because you look at Pereira, he's got three fights in a row and you look at his fights, he fought and he got a submission win at the end of the, like, you know, you know, pretty much at the end of that, that, that fight mm-hmm. late in the four, late in the third round. So that was one, but his last two came in decisions. And now you're, like you said, you're going up against a guy who has never fought in the UFC, but he's intimidating. And yes. that's the thing. Can you handle this guy? It's a 170 fight. You know, we're asking for some fight. Like, I love when you get these kinds of fights because, like I said, you got a guy coming off three fights in the UFC or three wins in the UFC. You put him in this welterweight against a guy that's never fought here before. All right, what are you going to get? And we never know. Michael Chandler, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, was it Pereira as well, the kickboxer that uh, just had the win as uh, a crazy win in one of the last cards? Like, I think so, yeah. Yeah, like we're looking at some guys here that come in and there's some fireworks or they either are duds. And you know what? I'm curious to see how Fialo fights. Like, 
He's a big dude with a couple knockouts. I don't know if you have it in front of you. Like, he is a very big welterweight. I think he's up over six feet. Like, I think the reach advantage here, if I remember correctly, is pretty big, too. Like, yeah, he's, I've got him here at six foot, uh, 170. I don't have the exact reach in front of me. I think he had like a four inch reach advantage. That's a big discrepancy, right? Like, and if that guy gets Mm -hmm. a hold of you, like I said, I understand he's less refined. He doesn't have the experience in the UFC. But it only takes one, right? You get in there and make a name for yourself in a hurry. And and I just think if you get a look at this guy, uh, even just on YouTube and find some of his highlights, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. No, and I'm I'm really excited to see that. I love when you get to see these new fighters get in there, and you know we always hear Dana and Dana White says it all the time. You know I don't care what you've done somewhere else. He's like until you're in the UFC, yep. you're not fighting against the best. So like I said, he's up there. Like you got a guy like you said, new. He's got that name. He's got the knockout record. He's got the highlight reel, like yep. everything like that. And then Pereira's coming off of three straight wins. You, you don't want to be the guy that loses against a new UFC fighter. And if you're on the other side, it's like you want to just end this guy's you know little streak and, and just make a name for yourself. By you know you don't want to fight some scrub you want to fight against a guy that you know you can go up against so i love this fight and i think it's going to be a one where uh it i'm hoping it lives up to the hype but like i said uh i'm gonna go with the new guy just to have some oh, fun look at this guy I love that yeah. um i'm crazy i'm not that crazy i'm gonna stay with uh with Pereira. like i said i think three to one is unfair but i do believe he's the favorite and he as you said he's got a lot on the line here like i think if he can get this one he's probably looking at getting a ranked you know fighter next and and starting to try and and move up you would think but uh uh yeah i'll stay with uh i'll stay with Pereira. why don't we talk man about something and and this came up i believe the last time you were on we talked about you know where this men's flyweight division was at and we have a title fight here but it is again davison figueredo versus um brandon moreno and we've seen this twice one was a draw now i think before the draw that was the first one i think they only had two or three weeks preparation for each other um and i believe figueredo had a point deducted in that fight and uh, that's what led it to be a draw the second one brandon moreno sort of found his 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 stride a little bit it looked like he had figured something out about figueredo and we're going to see this again. But I think we talked with Creech the last time you guys were on that this division has a problem and that they can't keep running this fight back out there, right? They, we saw Cody Garbrandt drop down um, to take on Kai Kara France. And, and that, <laughs> you know, it, it sort of was at the time Garbrandt was going to be like one of the biggest names in that division upon arrival. And it, of course, it didn't go very well. Um, but. It, it's a thin division, and so we're seeing this this trilogy fight. I don't know if I'd have gone back to it quite so soon, but I don't know who else was next, man. Like, I don't know what else you could have done in terms of uh, of what you would have done with the title here. Yeah, and the only reason I, I love that they did go back to this is just it is that exact point where you look at the first fight, it was a banger, and they yep. draw. Uh, you know, and like you said, there was a point deduction, and it was a draw, but Divison Figueredo was a monster, and you know, I had a, you know, he deserved to kind of not give up the belt there, but and you look to the second fight, and that was the one where Davison Figueredo struggled to make weight, yeah. and that's been an issue he's dealt with a lot, and I was, you know, was reading and looking at, you know what, it's something to keep an eye on for this weekend, right. when we see, is he going to make weight again, or is he going to be in the hospital the day before, and he gets into it, and he doesn't have have anything well brendan like he's now switched gyms i've seen that he went from brazil to uh, arizona he's now you know switching things up he's fighting with um 
Henry Cejudo, mm-hmm. who has been apparently trash talking a lot and, you know, wants to have Brandon Moreno's head, apparently. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's out there fighting and learning, but he's changed things up, Divis and Figueredo. But the one thing it's, we all have to watch at is his weight. And so I like the fact that they're going to fight again. Um, like you said, you know what, uh, you know, you can bring up Askar Askarov, you know, he's mm-hmm. the guy that might be waiting for a fight. Um, but at the same time, this it's fun to get these fights out of the way early because, you know what? They've had like two great fights, and Brandon Moreno, like just good for him on his last win, and how emotional it was, how big it was for for Mexico, and you know how just feisty he is. I love his fighting style. Both these guys, you know, I, I loved Divis and Figueredo before I loved Brandon Moreno. Right, right. And his story, Brandon Moreno, of just you know getting caught, coming back, fighting, like and just always giving it his all in training. Um, like I said. I, we've we've seen the switch from Figueroa's side. He's in a new camp. I think John Jones is in that camp as well now. But either way, I think this makes sense. Get like give Figueroa that chance to get the belt back. Give him that you know fair fight. But at, at this point, he needs to make weight and he needs to show up. Right. Because you know at the end of this fight, you know Figueroa. If he loses, you know, he, he drops down. He's got three losses in the draw, but then you go down a, a little bit. And, you know, I'm sure Brandon Moreno is going to fight Askar Askarov again because they draw. They had a draw earlier in their career. But, yeah, I'd be curious to see what happens after this. But I think this one made the most sense right now. Just, you know what, they, you know, maybe didn't have a fair fight, whatever it was. You want to make up excuses. You know, I'd give full credit to Moreno, but I'm down to have this fight now. Let's have it now while, while these guys are hot. Well, it's hot. You're right. And, and there is something about capitalizing you know, when you have the opportunity to do so. So I do understand that side of it. And I like that you bring up Moreno there and his sort of road. He's he's kind of an easy guy to cheer for, right? He had to leave the UFC, had to kind of go find his game, rebuild himself a little bit and come back. And he looks like a different guy. He, He looks like he's found himself a bit. And even in that second fight with Figueredo, it was sort of a combination of looking like he had found his own game, but also have he'd found something with Figueredo, right? Like it's something that I can do here. And I, I still think Moreno is going to be the favorite here, but I think Dana loves this kid. And if for no other reason than for good business, right? Like Mexico is a huge market for them. And if you could turn this guy into kind of the next big Mexican star and, and you know, they'll be looking to start uh, doing international shows again here pretty soon. Um, you know, they'd love to get down and, and do something in Mexico City or, or in Guadalajara or something like that. And this would be an easy guy to have headline that if he could come out and do this. And um you know they've got him listed as the favorite here where I'm looking, but uh, you know I I think that's I think that's fair I think that's justified and I think when we get to the main event here we'll probably talk about something similar. This fight reminds me a little of that main event in that Figueredo he's kind of got that knockout power. Um, he's a strong guy. He can take you to the ground. He's got that power. But I think overall at this point in their careers for me I think Moreno is just slightly you know technically better. He's got more weapons, more ways to beat you, and I I just sort of. I think, um, especially in the bigger cage, which for little guys like this is like being in an in-ground pool, like an empty pool. They've just got all kinds of room to move around and whatever. <laughs> um, I think Moreno, you know, has, has just got that extra room to kind of get in and, and do what he needs to do. And if he has to stand in box, I think he'll be fine with that. But I think if he can get it to the ground, I think he's kind of by far the the better option there. What do you make of this one? 
Yeah, no, and, you know, this is one where, for Divis and Figueredo, right, he's always had the same knock where the guy comes in and, and he's such a well-rounded, and th- there's no knocks on him because he is one of the best flyweights, yep. right? Like, this is a guy, like, he's full question, right? Like, he, there's no question about him. He's full value for his career, but he's at that point now where he is 34. It is harder to cut weight. Yep. You can't have the same fighting style where you go in looking to take someone's head off and get, you know, and, and knockout shots every couple fights, like every couple of seconds. You, you can't do that anymore right it just it's not good and it, it gets you into trouble and that's exactly what happened against brandon moreno who all he did was wait he went right down the middle and he took his shots and it's like you kind of got backed into a spot where and like i said maybe it's his training maybe he wasn't in shape because he was you know just trying so hard to cut weight mm-hmm. you know maybe he just does they go up to bantamweight i'm not sure what the answer is going to be for davis and figueredo but like you said you bring up brandon moreno and you know his two losses at the end of his first ufc contract to uh pentosia and pettis and then you know he goes out and he goes to the league of fighting and he has a win and he comes back to the ufc and then it's a draw against askar askarov and then he's got he hasn't lost since he's had a draw as well against figueredo but mm-hmm. the, you know he's had a knockout he's had a couple of decisions he's 28 years old he's in his like he's he's learned and he's in his prime so now this is a guy that you know the only thing you could do over ufc um is learn learn from your losses and and build your career and i think that's something where we don't see it enough where you know if you're on top you're on top but then what happens when you lose and where do you go and that's something where moreno like you said he left he came back and he's been on top since you, you learn you find something out about yourself and it's fun like i love it and you know, look at charles Oliveira, right this is a guy that was in the ufc for so long but he found his way and yeah. he, he made his way back to the top you look at his record 13 and 8 oh well the guy's been a monster for the last couple of years, but he it took him a while to learn, and you get into your groove at those late 20s, early 30s, and that's when you're in your prime, and that's where, when you look at this fight, I look at Figueredo, and if you know if he's going to try some takedowns, go ahead. Like He's such a well-rounded fighter. Both mm-hmm. these guys are, but the one thing I loved about um, Brandon Moreno, that last fight, is like the guy was on him from the start. Like He pushes the fight, he controls it at his own pace, yeah. and he was ready for it, and he just he snuck in the rear naked choke and boom, it was over in the third round. I love it. And well, it's such I'll, a good point that you make there, man, because maybe that's a, a bit of a weak link for Figueredo. I don't think he does pace fights very well, mm-hmm. right? Like I and why would you? Like he's come out and knocked the dog shit out of everybody else he's ever faced. Moreno was willing to he, take control and he set the pace and he forced it to go a little longer. And maybe that's a something he can take advantage of. Like Figueredo is not a patient fighter. Like he, he likes mm-hmm. to come at you. And so maybe that's one thing that Moreno was able to use against him. Just going, no, like I'm not going to engage in that. I'm going to make you do this at my pace. Yeah, and like I said, the one thing I like about this fight for Figueredo now that I'm impressed with is, you know what, he's not going to stand pat. He went, he changed camps. He's like, I need a new look. You know, my last two didn't work out for me. You know, like I said, I thought he, you know, he might have been the better fighter against Moreno in that first fight. Like, it was fireworks at that first fight. It was like, it was a draw. Like you said, the, the... the the deducted point is the, the the toughest part of that but if that's not i believe he wins and retains the belt just based on being the champion right but that last fight he didn't make weight and and that's something where he's struggled with in the past so if he's in this new camp i'm curious to see how he does it like you got a jiu-jitsu fighter versus a wrestler here but is figueredo going to use his wrestling and that's the thing are you afraid to go to the ground against a guy like brandon moreno because he is a brazilian jiu-jitsu right yeah. there's there's a lot of these question marks here on this fight but I love it, and I'm excited to see it again because these guys are just so exciting and two of the best in the UFC. You know, I brought up Flyweight earlier. These are just two of the most entertaining and exciting fighters to watch in the UFC right now. I'm happy that this is the third fight. Let's, you know, have all three, like, in a row. 
cool, let's do it. I'm curious to see what happens if Figueredo wins because then from <laughs> doing the quad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know what we're going to do here, but you know what? If you're Dana White, it's just you're probably going to have to give somebody else a title fight yes. here. Like I said, Oscar obviously they're waiting likely and deserves the next chance. But at the same time, I'm, I'm excited to see this. And uh, for Figueredo, I want to see what he's learned in these, uh, these last two fights against Moreno. And, you know, like I said, new camp with Cejudo and doesn't like Moreno. You got John Jones. There's a bunch of these big guys fight, uh, you know, all around this camp. I want to see what happens. Uh, very much with you there. Um, I'm taking Moreno. He, or Moreno, he's the favorite. Um, and I, 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 did, I think that's just, I think that's fair. Uh, that's where I'm going to stay. Who do you like here? Yeah, I'm I'm going Moreno as well because, like I said, I brought up like I feel like this is not the passing of the torch, but we're starting to see a guy that's exiting his prime in Figueredo. Yeah. Like I said, 34, struggling to make weight. You know, I I feel like he should just move up to bantamweight. Like, you know, help yourself out if you're going to be struggling to cut weight or whatever. This is a guy that is <laughs> he's a monster. He like throws some bombs. Like, move up. Yeah. Um, but for Brandon Moreno, this is a guy that's in his prime and. The way I saw him fight last time, and even just his first fight, like you said, like I said, you want to see how a fighter learns and how they adjust. And you look at the steps forward he made from the first fight to the second fight, and how aggressive he was, and how you know what he didn't get caught. He was more calculated. Whereas Figueroa, you know what? Like I said, whatever you want to blame it to, weight cut. What? I don't care what it was. Mm -hmm. You know what? The guy showed up and he wasn't ready to fight. And then when you can't make weight, you're already then behind the eight ball. Like it just, it's not good. So I'm sticking with Brandon Moreno because I believe he's the guy that's in his prime right now, but he's, he's motivated. He's won. He's excited. They're both motivated. They're fighters, but I just love the the attitude and the story from Brandon Moreno. He's just, it's such a fun guy. He's yes. always smiling. I love it too. Like he's just, you see him going around meeting fans with the belt. Like he's just such a, such an awesome dude like he's the kind of guy that you'd love to sit down and just talk fighting with anything he just seems like such a great dude loves the fans loves everything so yeah i'm going with uh brandon moreno for sure in this one yeah and uh, i guess if we're being fair right it's january it's just after the holiday season we're all struggling to cut weight here at this point uh why don't we move up to the big boys and uh <laughs> it feels like for two years now for me Groundhog Day. <laughs> um let's get into this main event man this is the one that's selling the pay-per-view for sure it is francis and versus cyril gone you referenced uh you know a little earlier on when we were talking about how this card came together this um the fact that they went with an interim title fight and there was a bit of a war of words between Dana White and the UFC and uh, Francis Ngannou and his management group and I guess like after he won the title in March at the end of March there he sort of took a little time and he did some barnstorming right he went back to Africa he was living it up and and kind of doing what you do when you become the heavyweight champion and he had to recover he had fought a bit beforehand and um kind of told the UFC, I, I can be ready in September. They had a card on September 25th. I can be ready for that one. And they said, we want you in August. And he goes, well, I'll be ready in September. And they said, well, then we're going to run out an interim title fight. And to me, that was a, there's so much politics that was going on there. Like it ended up being Cyril Gaon versus Derek Lewis in Houston. They had just signed an exclusive deal, long-term deal with a new arena in Houston. Derek Lewis is a Houston guy. Hey, we're going to get you a title fight with a hometown guy in the main event of this first, you know, fight contract. There was a lot of bullshit there. And to me, that's sort of how I saw this whole thing was it was completely unnecessary. You could have done it in, 
in September with uh, Cyril gone, and you just chose not to. It was a bunch of shit to me that that led us here. I don't think you have to love that Nganu took as much time off as he did, but it was going to be something like 185 days between when he won the title and um, when he would have fought at the end of September. And if you look back historically, that's not really off the mark from uh, how long Stipe went after his first uh, title win to when he defended it for the first time to when Cormier did. It's always kind of around 135 days here. It's 200 days here. Like It just sort of depends on the situation. I don't think we needed to get that interim fight, but it was politics with that arena and all of that and wanting Derek Lewis on top there. And um, to me, it was just totally unnecessary, and it made Nganu now wait again all the way to January. What did you think of the whole thing and, and the extra long wait that we had before Nganu actually got to defend his title because of it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm torn on this one because I do believe it's necessary to do this, right? First off, good for Nganu on going and trying to get his name out there. You know, you won the fight. You know, you won your championship, but you have to go back to your. You have to spread the fort, uh, sport. You got to grow, right? especially like, when you're not what, paying me. I better go become a celebrity some other way. <laughs> like, oh, exactly, but <laughs> exactly. But you look at it. He's only had two fights. So, you know, he's had a, He fought May twentieth. Sorry, May 9th, twenty twenty against Jairzinho Rosenstrike, the crazy knockout right. that happened in twenty seconds. And then you look at his last fight against Miocic. Well, that was in the second round. He knocked him out in the first minute of the second round. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, this is a guy that has spent, you know, less than 10 minutes in the octagon <laughs> since 2018, 2019. Maybe like, I'm overstating that he should be paid. Like, he's getting oh, paid man. pretty well by the hour. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you look at his last five fights, and his last fight against uh, Stipe Miocic, that's a second-round knockout in the first minute of that round. Yeah. Okay, well, then you look at that. Okay, 20 seconds into round one against Rosenstrike. Junior DeSantos, a minute 11 into that round. Cain Velasquez, <laughs> 26 seconds into the first round. And then Curtis Blades, 45 seconds into the first round. This is a guy that if you combine his minute like the guy hasn't fought 10 minutes right. in the ufc <laughs> in you know since i don't know when and for cr gone the guy fought three times in 2021 yep. so look i understand you got to go out there you got to build your brand you got to showcase yourself you got to try and grow the sport i didn't like that you know there was a bit of a hoopla there with dana white and you know he has to understand that he's going to do that if you're not going to wait i think dana white got caught because you know, he owed Houston a title fight because of, you know, them being one of the first. I think they were the first stadium that opened up with fans. Yeah, I believe. That's I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, for the first uh, card pay-per-view last year after the pandemic. And, you know, after, you know, that in respect to Dana White for doing that, right? You go back to, hey, like these guys were the first one. Yep. I'm respect. I'm giving them a couple fights. He promised them a, t- a title fight. You know, it probably works out better that you had Derek Lewis, the Houston boy, there. Anyways, I, like I said, I I don't like it. I don't even I don't even count that as a title fight if it's an interim title fight because really no one's really winning well, that's anything what I'm saying, here. Right? So <laughs> I, I don't like that. You know, it's a tech. It was all for a loophole. Here. Yeah, like here's a yeah. title fight. Like, is it the champ's not here? Like, <laughs> no. And and, and like I said that it's just a whole lot there but at the end of the day we're getting the fight that we all want to see yep. right now in the heavyweight division and um it might it should have happened earlier and if francis and ghana wasn't ready and he's on his showcase and he's you know like you said he's in africa he's doing wherever he's like he's training like 
you can't say he's beat up. Like no. the guy's fought twice in the last two years. And like I said, he spent less than like six minutes in the octagon. <laughs> and then you go through his last five fights. I, I'd love to keep going through it more and just see his, it's just funny to look at it, but um, how strong and crazy he is and how he could just end, like knock anybody out. But it's not like he's been beat up a lot unless he's getting beat up pretty bad and in, in sparring classes camp, and, yeah. and training and camps. I'm not sure, but either way, uh, I'm excited to see him get back in the octagon again. Somebody that, that I believe is going to be in a great test for him. I, I'm stoked for this fight, man. As you said, this is a great test. There's a lot of storylines here, right, in terms of these guys used to train together, had coaches together. Um, and when you look at Cyril Gaon taking on Derek Lewis, look, Derek Lewis is not Francis Ngannou, but he might be Francis Ngannou light, right, in terms of what kind of fight you're going to get there. So in terms of Cyril Gaon in preparation for Francis Ngannou, um, you know, he sort of went in and, and showed his path to success against Ngannou. Now, it's very different. What was Mike Tyson's quote always? Everybody's got a game plan to get punched in the face. And Ngannou punches in the face like nobody else in the UFC. So he's going to have to be careful. But it's an interesting fight when I look at this one. I, I do think we saw against Stipe that Ngannou had improved his all-around game a bit, right? He he was a little bit more mobile. He did stuff a couple of takedown attempts against Miocic, which, to his credit, you know, that was very good. But when you look at what Cyril Gaon has done here over the last little bit, he moves like a middleweight in terms of his footwork and how quick he can kind of move around. For you don't, You're not expecting to see that out of guys this size. He's a better technical fighter. I think he has more paths to victory, but... Ngannou's path is paved, it's gorgeous, it's nicely, you know, landscaped on both sides. He knows how to finish fights, um, and he has that direct path, but he's got only one, whereas I feel like Cyril Gaon has a few and a, a couple different ways he could do this. He's actually the favorite, and by the day, that line is getting further and further. Um, you know, they're chasing the money there a little bit uh, and, and seeing how this has shifted. Uh, what do you make of the actual matchup in the octagon? Yeah, and and this is one where like it's so intriguing because, like you said, it's for Ngannou. This is a guy that, let me tell you again, one round or first round knockout of Curtis Blades, forty five seconds. Cain Velasquez, one of my favorite UFC heavyweights yep. of all time. He's a love watching him fight. First round, twenty six seconds in. Junior Santos. First minute and 11 seconds of that round. 20 seconds, Jairzinho Rosenstrike, right? And Jairzinho Rosenstrike is, you know, a young up-and-coming fighter mm-hmm. that, you know, he's starting to learn. He, I believe he had a little bit more kickboxing in his background, but he's starting to learn. Like, and you know what? I love him, but at the same time, it seems like he can't get those big fights and he can't finish. But you look at his last couple of fights, and like this is a guy that hasn't had a lot of octagon experience. Um, just, I guess, going pretty like the distance going past the second and third yeah. round and you look at his first fight against uh Stipe Miocic well that you know why did he lose because he was gassed like yep. he couldn't like he still had some power but he was gassed and you look at his fight against Derek Lewis that he lost as well that was one that was a unanimous decision but that was a full three-round fight you ever tell me that Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis were going to end in uh, you know, their fight <laughs> <laughs> in a decision I'd tell you you're an idiot but at the same time it did and then since then he hasn't had a fight go past 52 seconds of the second round so yeah. this is one where I am so curious to see because Cyril Gaon is a smaller heavyweight that mm-hmm. Has that athletic ability? Like he comes in there, he's six. They're both six foot four. But you look at the two sixty three side of Francis Ngannou. 
I counter that with a 247-pound Cyril Gaon, right. who might be the most athletic heavyweight out there, other than maybe John Jones. Mm-hmm. But this is two guys here that they're completely different, where Ngannou's a guy that can go in there and, and like he could be gassed, but his one gassed shot yep. can still just shut your lights off. And for Cyril Gaon, he's so calculated. He's so technical. He's so athletically gifted. And he's had some impressive fights his last couple fights. And um, I'm and like you said, these guys are former training partners. They're former camp members. I don't believe that there's this hate that like they're trying to pre- uh, like, no. that we've seen. I, I think my favorite part was the video a couple um months ago at one of the cards where Francis Ngana walks by and there's Cyril Gaon and his team standing there and Cyril, and then you just look over Ngana walks by and he doesn't even look at them doesn't yeah. say hi it's just the most awkward but intimidating little kind of a I don't want to call it a stare down because he, like I said, Ngano didn't even look at him, but everyone at the camp would expect like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Right. And it was just a death stare forward. And I don't even know who the hell those guys are. It's like, <laughs> okay. But then I, I've heard, and I've read a couple things this week that, you know what? They're going to tur- chirp each other. There's the, the quote right now, I think going around that Ngano is like, Oh yeah, there's never going to be a video, but I absolutely knocked down Cyril Gon when we were sparring together with a kick and, and all this and that, and mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And the bad blood, I don't believe it's there. I think it's, they're trying yeah. to play it up a little yeah, they're going to fight like they're not going to be super friendly, right? Like no. it, they're about to fight each other. So, yeah. And, and you can kind of find these random videos, as you said, of, uh, not random video. I'm not trying to downplay it too much. But, yeah, there's not going to be a big love fest right now. I don't think they mm-hmm. hate each other. But right now, I've got to feel like as someone who's obviously never been in one of these octagons, I have to build a certain amount of animosity, even if it's all in my head towards you to be able to get in and go through this with you, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't want to walk up and hug you and, hey, how's it going? And then we're going to go in there and punch each other in the face tomorrow. <laughs> like, no, and I think we see that, like, you know, I, the one thing I look at is I look at, you know, Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. And M- Usman beat him, and there was no question, both times, yep. and easily. And all we heard about up was that was Masvidal, how much he hated him. Boom. When, both times he lost. The guy just sucked up to him, admitted, like, look, there's as much as these guys hate each other, whatever it is, up into the fight, there's that selling factor. Yes. But until you have legit hate, which I believe Colby Covington has right now with <laughs> Jorge Masvidal, and that these guys are going to have a great fight if that is what comes up in the future here. But mm-hmm. when when it comes down to Francis and Gunn and Sir Gunn, I don't believe it until I see it. But I, like I said, I love the story here of, like I said, I think it was France is one of the last places in the world that uh, you know actually allowed MMA fighting because it wasn't legal for so long up until a couple of years ago. But both of these guys got their starts in France. Um, Francis and Ghana went there, learned boxing, and then yep. turned into UFC fighter. Cyril Gone from France. Now they, like you said, they fought together, they traded together, sparred together, and now they're going up against each other. Um, and two of the best in the, in like I said, the division right now in heavyweights. But how are you going to see this fight play out? It's going to be so fun to watch because. Cyril Gaon can just sit there and wait for Francis Ngannou to yep. make a mistake. And is he going to attempt a takedown? I guess we'll see. Francis Ngannou, like I said, is he a guy that is going to see the third, fourth? Like, how's he going to look? And, hey, he has that power to end any uh, end a fight within just 10 seconds. Like, just, you know what? Not even. I can end that in one second. Right. You know what I mean? If he gets, a, like, a fury going on like and you get caught, like, boom. You got to watch for that, and we haven't seen that with Siragon yet. He's ten and zero in the UFC, and he's pretty much won every fight handily. And he fought Canadian Tanner Bozer uh, back in 2019, and Tanner just talked about how he's one of the gift, most gifted fighters he's ever seen, and just how he, you know, he he didn't fight his best, but how technical and how smart he was. And it's like 
he has that silent intimidation. Whereas Ngannou is just like, yeah, that guy's a monster and he can knock you out so quickly. But Cyril Gone is just, he fights the fight at his own pace and he just has that look where it's like, he's going to do this and you're going to deal with it. And yeah. I love it. No, I'm with you there, man. I think this is going to be interesting. I do think if we find ourselves, as you've brilliantly illustrated here a couple of times now, if we're two, two and a half minutes into the second round, Ngannou's in big trouble. Like, if he hasn't yet finished this fight, he may not. Like, he's going to have a very hard time. At that point, it's it's heavy advantage for Cyril Gone. But I do feel like, as we get into the predictions here, man, I the champ's not getting a lot of love. He's... Uh, we're seeing the, the line move towards Cyril Gone. Um, a lot of the, the smart bets seem to be on, on Gone to do this. I don't know. I it, It's a gut feeling. The brain says take Cyril Gone, but I just I have a feeling that uh, the Francis is going to shut a lot of people up here on Saturday night. I'm going to take Francis and Gone in this one. Yeah. And I feel like, and hey, I, I'm, I feel like I'm pulling for Cyril Gone because I'm curious to see. You know this this new kind of UFC like smaller, not as big, but yep. um, you know he's got that Stepe Miocic right, that you know smaller, but just a likable guy that when you watch him fight. Um, but you got to give it to the champ until he loses, and I haven't seen Ngannou get into that area. I haven't seen him since that Derek Lewis foot loss, right? And I didn't even watch that one live. If I was going to be exactly honest about that, <laughs> um, but at the same time. I want. I'm going to go with Francis Ngannou here, but I am. I'm leaning and pulling towards a Cyril Gone win here. I think that this is a guy that is such a unique fighter, and I like. I said I love when you see these kind of fights because you got two different fighting styles. You got two guys that I don't know how much they like or love each other, but we're going to see a, a, a fight where it could either really suck. Like that's the one thing I get nervous about when you get to these heavyweight fights. Yes. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it for you, Maddie, or anybody out there <laughs> that listens. But you guys can all blame me if it is. But this is one where I'm curious to see if Francis Ngannou is nervous mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to overthrow it because that's something that like I brought up with uh, Divis and Figueredo earlier. He's a guy that would come right down the middle throwing bombs and he would get caught and you just like you'd have no energy or right. cardio left and then you're just you you're just dead and you can't you know come back from that. Whereas Cyril Gone's a guy that's I'll play chess with you. I'm gonna move this fight, but is he gonna attempt to take down? Is he gonna try like I said, it's been a couple of years, two thousand eighteen since he's went three rounds into the third round and he, it's you know January of that twenty eighteen fight against Stephen Mirochich was the last time and only time he's ever been in the fifth round. So for Francis and Gone like this is going to be a very different fight for him, and I know he's fought some big names. And you Rosenstrike, and you know you look at a couple of the fights before that, and Cain Velasquez and Junior Santos, and guys that are past their prime and pretty much shouldn't be fighting anymore. But you know this is a guy that is a monster. I'm going with him here to win this fight, but I am just ex- excited and curious to see, and I'm really hoping that it's uh, it's not a dud. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting point you make, man, because. When you see a guy like Cyril Gon who wants to drag Nganu out into the deep water, he doesn't want to get caught. And if if Nganu is worried about you know overthrowing and getting hooked in something or or whatever, there is a possibility that it turns into a pretty pretty boring dance contest, right? And um, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think that's what we're going to see, but that is on the table. And uh, you know, hopefully, we don't end up going down there. One of the things that we like to do, man. Uh, when you're on the show, 
you're pretty good at reaching down into the prelims, picking out a name or two, picking out a fight or two that has your eye. Uh, somebody that uh, maybe we didn't get to talking about the main card here. Um, as you look in the prelims, what's on your mind? What do you think is going to be something we should keep an eye on? Yeah, well, I'll do two shout-outs here quickly because the one is on the early prelim. So if you're worried about having to buy the card, as we talked at the beginning about you know the prices going up and all that, well, this one's free. It's on the early prelims. But I'm going to go with uh, Jasmine uh, Jasu Davicious. She's a Canadian. Yeah, Jasu Davicious is, uh, you know, it's her first UFC fight. She she won in the Dana White Contender Series. She's 6 and 1. She's going up against Kay Hansen. It's the first fight of the, the whole card. Like I said, early prelims. But I'm curious to see uh, Jasu Davicious from St. Catharines um, making her UFC debut. That's going to be a fun fight for her. Uh, I've watched an interview with Ann Bronstetter and her earlier this week, or was it last week? I can't even remember we're living in ground years now but uh seems like a fun girl and i'm excited to see that one uh just start off the night nice little uh flyway to fight but also you know we were talking about this before we got on in the prelims uh the last fight of the prelims is uh an undefeated Ilya tapura versus charles air jordan who has had uh you know some fights recently that are not uh, what he would like but at the same time, he's a Canadian featherweight. I've got to have his back. You know, he's he's only won twice in his last five fights. He's got a draw in there in a pair of losses. But he's coming off a win uh, only a couple weeks ago, December 18th. He beat Andre Ewell. So that's a big fight for him to come back on short notice. And against a guy who's undefeated, he's got a lot of hype around him. Uh, I'm curious to see how this one goes. But those are my two Canadians on the card that I'm watching. Those would be good ones, and uh, you know, you mentioned Charles Air there. A good write up on him in the Star. If people are interested in that, we'll share the link mm-hmm. in the show notes. Um, stepping in on short notice, and we're seeing a lot of that. This card has been as in flux as any I can remember in the last several years in terms of how many fights are getting moved around. Uh, guys stepping in and out. Even uh, we didn't mention there earlier, um, Andre uh, Fialu is stepping mm-hmm. in for uh, that was supposed to be Muslim Salikov. So, I mean, we're seeing a ton of movement here around uh, this card. Those would be a couple good. Always good to see the Canadians getting in there and, and getting there's a couple cards coming up that are going to feature heavy on the Canadians too. Um, do you want to touch on that or do you want to save it for the uh, for the next time, man? Uh, I'll throw it out there. Yeah. Uh, just because we have it here and I, you know, we were just doing some prep before this and I, I thought it was amazing because uh, I knew, uh, I'll shout out the, the my first shout out will be for Mark Andre Barrio, power bar, uh, you know, got no kid and, and, you know, he's fought out of Quebec city and all that, but he's this is February he's, 5th, right? Yeah. February 5th. It's yeah. a fight night. Um, but it's going to be an exciting fight night because as I go and I scroll down and, you know, I'm going to, you know, knock on wood. If you could hear that, uh, that he's able to have this fight and it's going to work out. But this card has one, two, three, four Canadians on it. Um, so that's exciting to watch. And it's on February 5th. Uh, Hermanson for Strickland fight night. It's free. Um, but you go through it. Malcolm Gordon is the first fight of the night. You know, Canadian, uh, he's going up against Denny's Bondar. You go up a couple more. Alexis Davis is in a fight. You go and you see Mark Andre Barrio. He's the second last fight. And then Hakeem Dawadu, he's a guy that I love watching. He's fighting, uh, fighting, um, Michael Trezano, that's one where, you know, and it's been talked, but Hakeem Dawadu is a guy that not a lot of people like to fight, and he's a featherweight. Yeah. He's coming off a loss, but he, you know, has a great record. He's a, a scrappy fighter. He's 12-2, and two, but this is a guy that I want to see kind of start fighting some bigger opponents, and he has to earn it first, but he's someone that I am curious to see, um, but I love it. Hakeem Mean Dawadu, let's go. 
Lots of great stuff coming up on that fight, and heavy on the uh, the Canadian representation. And this is why we bring you on, man. You've always got your uh, your finger on the pulse of uh, what's coming, especially with the Canadians. So uh, we love that, man. Uh, always thrilled when you make a little time to do this. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to do it again here uh, here shortly, and uh, maybe maybe we'll let Creech rejoin us. We'll we'll see. We'll see how uh, <laughs> we'll see what that looks like. But are, uh, are we shutting him out now that he uh, he bailed? I or what? <laughs> We'll make him beg to get back in. I'm sure that'll be big on his priority list. Um, as always, man, appreciate this. Tell the people again once more where they can find you, where they can find your work now. Yeah, now it's at uh, Steve Bunda 91. Yeah, you know, you threw that at me, and I was about to throw my old hand <laughs> at Steve Bunda 91, and that faces Ottawa, faces Magazine. Check us out. Like I said, we're we're having a, we're already building our next issue. It's going to come out um in March, and I'm excited for it. Like I said, it's our last issue is out right now. Josh Norris, uh, awesome. Patricia Bull, Ian Mendez, Mark Frazier. You know, lots of great interviews in this one. Leaf so legend, Mark Frazier. Yeah, Leaf legend, Mark Frazier, Jason York, former auto senator. Yep. Um, lots of uh, lots of good interviews in that. So, you know, check that out and check out everything at Faces Ottawa on Twitter as well. Really appreciate you making the time, man. And uh, we'll share all those links in the uh, the show notes at Tall Can Audio for episode 926. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, man. Appreciate it. Oh, man. Thanks again for having me on. And one, uh, just having a beer and talking UFC. Two of my favorite things to do. I always do it, and I look forward to the fights. Enjoy 270. Uh, one of the things that I said, I don't normally make New Year's resolutions, but uh, with guys like you and Creech and Mendez and Lloyd and all these guys across the city that have been making time for our show, uh, the one sort of resolution I did make, far fewer online pints like this one and far more in-person pints uh, in 2022 is what we're looking for here. Yeah, only when that keg uh, kegerator gets fixed, all right? <laughs> <laughs> this guy knows what's up. All right. Uh, on that note, we'll wind it down. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. You can find all the links and, uh, you know, where you can find Bunda and his work uh, in the show notes at tallcanaudio.com. And uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to this one. UFC 270 is going to be a good one. Uh, we're always throwing tweets around during the fight as well, so you can give us uh, both a follow there and, uh, and get in on that conversation if you're interested. Uh, until next time, my name's Matt Robinson, and for Steve Bunda, we will see you all later. I am unhappy with the confusing and at times confrontational nature of that meeting. I wanted it to go better. I wanted it to go better! Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.